Well, as the ushers finish up with this morning's offering, thanks, Val, we are going to go ahead and jump right in. Uh, we're continuing. Um, this is week two, so we haven't gotten very far yet, but in our series, Respectable Sins, uh, and what we're doing in the series of Respectable Sins is we are taking a look at the things that God is serious about, but that too oftentimes His church is not, okay? And so last week, we talked about this overriding, this first thing um, about self-control, and so we took a look at the topic of self-control and how God calls us in our pursuit of holiness to demonstrate self-control in any area, uh, any number of areas in our lives. We, we talked about how sometimes we rock it and how sometimes we fall short, okay? But, but that's the call for us. And so we continue this week taking a look at this idea of respectable sins, and we're going to just jump right in today with the tongue. Now, go ahead and do me a favor. Raise your hand if you have a problem with your mouth. Okay, next week, uh, we'll talk. No, wait, lying is a problem of the tongue. So now everybody has to raise their hand. Because some of you are like, I don't have a problem with that. Liars. <laughs> That's not gracious of me, I know. But it's okay. Uh, listen, I am just as guilty. The tongue is an issue. And, and before we go too much further, let me acknowledge something for some of you who are like, I haven't said a mean thing to anybody in a really long time. No, but you might have said things about people. And oh my goodness, don't get me started about Facebook. When we talk about sins of the tongue, you have to understand that in our day and age, our culture, we're also talking about Facebook and the Twittering thing that people do. That's a thing, right? Okay. And there's some snap talking, Snapchatting, and some Instagram, whatever. Those things, listen, those are sins of the tongue. It's just semantics if you want to argue otherwise. Okay, but in this day and age, look, we've got issues with the tongue. It's not unique to us. It's not new for us. It's always happened. You know what's happened, though? We, we read um, in, in Timothy, Paul says, look, in that day, talking about this day, this godless generation, in that day, they will invent new ways to sin. And man, we keep doing that, right? The tongue is the problem, but we just invent new ways to have problems with our tongue and with our attitude. And so this is something that, that should sting each and every one of us a little bit, and that we're going to have to deal with this. But, but what I want you to know before we get too much further into the issue of the tongue is I want to remind you the reason why this is so important. This is so critically important because of what we're after. We are after this idea of personal revival. If you are a regular here at Blessed Hope Church, then there is no call for you to not understand that you need to be on a mission of personal revival. We, we've described it this way before. Think of it um, as, as a stream with a strong current. The Blessed Hope current is moving in the direction of personal revival. You don't have to go there with us, but darn it, you're going to work really hard to stay swimming the other direction. When you plug in, when you do these things, when you read your Bible every single day, when you show up at church 
consistently, when you join a small group and spend time with other like-minded people that can pour into your life, when you try the things that we suggest, like accountability for this series, when you do those things, then you're moving along with the stream and growth happens. And then there's this last one that really stinks and it's really hard, and this is the point of this series, is that you will continue to grow only if you identify and work to ruthlessly cut sin out of your life. Where you give sin safe harbor in your life, you will not grow. There are no ifs, ands, or buts about it. There's no, but wait, Matt, what about I knew that one person? No, listen to me. When you allow sin unchecked in your life, when you decide that it's okay, or when you know it's wrong, but you decide you don't care, you won't grow. You can't grow because you're dishonoring a holy God. You're profaning the cross. And we'll get into that a little bit today as we get to the tongue. And the reason it's so hard with the tongue is because this is our number one area. This is the number one area where we know it's wrong, but we decide that it doesn't necessarily matter. We know it's not okay to be hard to get along with, snarky, to gossip, to talk bad about people, to cut people down, to, to, to throw out... Perf- we know all of these things are wrong, okay? But we, we like to do them anyway, and we decide, eh, it's okay. It's not that big of a deal. Like, I could be doing a lot worse things. It's a problem. And here's what really gets me about this one. Here's what really gives me... Um, frustration about this one is that we treat it like it's a bad habit. How many of you bite your nails? That's a bad habit. Actively sinning against a holy God is not a bad habit. But we've confused the two. We take something that the Bible clearly says is blatantly sinful And we talk about it like it's biting our nails. And then we expect God to bless us. We expect God to help us grow. We expect God to honor our lives, our marriages, our our children, and all of those things. And it just, it doesn't work. So we got to understand, this is not a bad habit, but this is a big deal. And so we're going to talk theology, and we're going to look at what the Bible has to say about tongue. And so here's how we've been doing it in this series, how we'll continue, is we'll spend a good chunk of time talking about why is it such a big deal. That's what we call theology, the theology of the tongue, right? We're told to tame our tongue. Why? What's the, what's the reasoning behind that? And then we'll look at some practical application about why that matters and how to actually tackle it. So let's start with this. There are three things we're going to learn about the tongue as we go. The first thing is that the tongue has great power to harm. The tongue has great power to harm. Let's look at Proverbs 15.4. Proverbs, uh, if you you haven't read it, uh, it's it's just about right to the right of the middle of your Bible. Okay, you flip to the middle, you're probably in Psalms somewhere, flip, you know, to the right a little bit, and and you're going to be in Proverbs. Proverbs is a book of wisdom. By the way, for some of you, some of you have told me here recently that you want to read your Bible every single day but you're not sure where to start or how to start. There's a lot of awesome stuff to read in the Bible. But if you're not sure where to start, I'm going to challenge you today to start a 30-day journey. 
It's simple. Here's what you do for 30 days. For 30 days, you wake up in the morning or sometime before you go to bed or during your lunch hour or whenever you have decided this is my time. Don't leave it up to chance. Don't leave it up to, well, we'll see what happens today. Pick a time, follow through. And for 30 days, I want you to read five Psalms and one proverb. Because if you read five Psalms and one proverb every day for 30 days, you will have read the book of Psalms and you'll have read the book of Proverbs. So you will have have gotten all of the emotional intensity of the Psalms. It's good stuff. It's poetry, so it's a little bit different, okay? But it is so emotionally intense and is so full of rich truth that God has for us. So you read through five of those every day, and you read through one of the chapters in the book of wisdom, and at the end of 30 days, you'll have read the Proverbs, you'll have read through Psalms, and you'll be ready to tackle what's next. And if you get to that point, I'd suggest you start with the Gospels. Okay? But it's a good way for you to get started. But anyway, the book of Proverbs here, book of wisdom, here's what it says. It talks about the tongue quite a bit. A soothing tongue, the soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. It's a simple, straightforward statement about the things that you say. Right? Like good things. Life-giving things, soothing things, they refresh the spirit. Somebody comes to you and they're down and out. Somebody comes to you and they're having a hard time. And you give them life-giving, patient, grace-filled, kind, loving, generous words. And it's like the tree of life. It refreshes their spirit. It helps them flourish But when you give them harsh words, perverse words, when you give them gossip, when you give them pot-stirring words, when you give a hate-filled speech, sarcasm that, that, that misses the mark because you don't get to be sarcastic with everybody you meet and call it just kidding, right? When you do those things, it crushes the spirit. Any of you ever parents accidentally, I'm going to say hopefully accidentally, been guilty of crushing your kid's spirit? No? Okay, just me. Man, I tell you what, yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> we're in this boat together, lady. <laughs> but here's the problem, right? I don't mean to, but never, never is this so true Never have I seen it so clearly than with my own kids because, listen, when I give them soothing words, life-giving words, they light up, they, they just, they flourish. Something good happens in their heart. But too often, I'm guilty of just crushing their spirit with words that didn't need to be said or shared and certainly didn't need to be done in that way. I think we're all guilty of this, whether it's our kids or not. I mean, this is just how we operate. And it's become so normal. It's become so normal. But the tongue is dangerous because the tongue has this power to crush. And you know what's fun? You know what's fun? And when I say fun, I'm using it in a terribly sarcastic way. And I just said that was not always right. So you know what's not fun? Is that Some of you aren't surprised by that statement because when I say the tongue has the power to crush, 
Many of you are sitting there and you should be thinking, yeah, I know, that's exactly why I use it that way. Some of you know all too well that the tongue is dangerous and that it hurts and that it's harsh and that it can really break someone's spirit. You know that and that's why you use it. Because that's your intention. We say things like, oh, I was just kidding, or I didn't mean to hurt your feelings, but you're not fooling anybody. I'm not fooling anybody. There are times when that's exactly what I meant to accomplish. There are times when you, that is exactly what you mean to accomplish. Because I want to win. I want to be right. I want my argument to be on top. And, and I want people to know that they offended me or that they hurt my feelings. Or you just, you just run the list out as long as you want. Or I want them to like me more than they like another person. Or I want other people to get as angry about this issue as I am angry about this issue. And so we do these things and it's not accidental. As much as we would say, oh, it's a bad habit. We got to work on it right? No. I mean, come on. And where else in life does that even fly? Like, yeah, I know my anger's an issue and I keep punching people in the face. It's a bad habit. I got to work on it. <laughs> like, where else in the world would it be okay? But we do it with the tongue. We, the, it's like, oh, I didn't know that it crushes the spirit. Yes, you did. Most times that's why it happened. And there's more. If we look at what the Bible has to say about the tongue, the reason this is so problematic, the reason that we know it crushes and we do it anyway, this is why this is really scary for you. Because the tongue can only speak what's in the heart. Think about this. Unless it's a miraculous moving of God that happened throughout the, the New Testament, I'm convinced, starting um, on the day of Pentecost and, and moving through, unless it's a miraculous movement of God, um, none of us here will just be able to walk into a room and speak a language we don't already know how to speak, right? I mean, it's possible, right, that, that I will walk into a Vietnamese church and I will have something good to share, um, or I'm sorry, I shouldn't even say a church, a Vietnamese community, and I'll have something good to share and God will, will miraculously move, the Holy Spirit will move in my, my heart and I'll be able to speak in words that I shouldn't know how to speak. It's what happened on the day of Pentecost, Okay, maybe. But unless that happens, and, and I'm, gonna, I'm not counting on that, okay, if I'm going to go minister in a Vietnamese community, I'm going to have to learn Vietnamese. I'm not sure why I picked Vietnamese. Hankering for some Vietnamese food, maybe, I don't know. Okay, but you get the point, right? I'm not just going to be able to go speak those words because I don't know them. Listen to me. There is this rock-solid truth that Jesus shares that you will only speak the words you know. What comes out of your mouth will be what's true in your heart. Look at this. This is what he says in Matthew 15, 18. The words you speak come from the heart. That's what defiles you. Not the words that you say. It's like, oh, i got to watch my mouth. No, you got to watch your heart. Because it's not the words that you speak are the problem. It's what's in your heart that's producing the words that's the problem the message the message which of course is just a paraphrase it's 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 not a translation so we don't use it often but in this context i think it really drives this home what comes out of the mouth gets its start in the heart is what it says it says it's from the heart that we vomit up evil arguments murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, lies, cussing that's what pollutes not what comes out of your mouth 
but the plans of your heart. See, and there's something that we really need to understand here that we have to drill down on as we really get into this. Okay, you really need to understand that the tongue is a tattletale that will tell on you. You've been around people that you've wondered if they were fake before. You have. I mean, that's just the way it is. You've been around people and you've wondered, is that person for real or are they fake? Are they godly or are they saying the right things? Are they really my friend or are they just interested in using me in some way? Are they really most concerned about my well-being or their own? We have these thoughts about people. And eventually, given time, we find out, don't we? We find out. You can only hide for so long. You can only fake it for so long. But eventually your heart will tell on you. It's like that expression, you, know, you, you can't judge a book by its cover. Okay? You know that, right? You can't judge a book by its cover because the cover might look awesome or the cover might look terrible. One of the best books I ever read had a picture of some dude's face on it. Not an awesome face. Just not a great face. There was nothing about the face on the book that said, man, I got to read that book. Like, man, that guy is so good looking that I need to see what's in it. No, of course not. You can't judge a book based on what it looks like on the outside. You have to get into it. You have to see what's in its guts. You have to see what's happening in there as you open it up and see. Look, you cannot judge someone's faith based on what they look like. You can't judge someone's faith based on where they show up on Sunday morning. You can't judge someone's faith based on what religious um, ordinances or sacraments they've participated in. You can't judge someone's faith based on outward appearance and behavior alone. I mean, there are times when I can see someone's outward behavior and appearance and I can look at them and say, I can judge their faith because it's not there. But just because somebody goes through the motions, just because somebody does things, doesn't mean their heart's right. And this is why the tongue is so important. This is why the tongue is so critical. Because the tongue tells on you. It's a window into what's in your heart. This is gut check time for some of you. Because some of you for far too long have treated the things that you say, the snarkiness, the nastiness, the rudeness, the cutting people down, the gossip, all of it. You've treated it like it's a bad habit. It's not a bad habit. It is a window into your heart. And if your heart is jacked up, then those are the things that are going to come pouring out of your mouth. And you can bite your tongue and you can work really hard to shut it down for a minute. Right? You give yourself bonus points. I give myself bonus points because I'll say, I really want to say something right now, but I know I shouldn't. And what am I doing? I'm waiting for you to convince me that it's going to be okay. No, 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 tell me. I won't tell anybody. No, it's okay. It's just me. Like, we do this one a lot in our marriage. Like, I really want to say something right now, but I know I shouldn't. Carrie says, oh, it's just me. Go ahead. And I'm like, all right, here's what it is. <laughs> it's a heart issue. 
That's a repentance issue. That is a fall on my knees and confess to the God of the universe that it's not about biting my fingernails. It's not about sweeping my trash under the bed and just hoping I'll get to it next time. This is a sin issue. And I know, see, we're sitting here and we're thinking, Matt, the world is full of like murder and detestable things and all of this hatred and anger and the world is jacked up and it's broken and there's poverty and people living on the street and all of this stuff that's wrong with the world and you're talking about the way I talk to people or the way I talk about people. Yeah, I am. Because you won't grow if you won't deal with what's in your heart and the things that come out of your mouth the things you put out there on Facebook, the things that you share on social media, all of those are a window into your heart. You can't have it any other way. It just is what it is. This is what God says. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, God of the universe, he steps in and he says, the words you speak come from the heart and that's what defiles you. It's the heart. Change it. That's where you vomit up all of these things. Fix it, is what he says. We continue. Third thing about the untamed tongue, it profanes the name of God. The tongue actually profanes the cross. It profanes the name of God. Walk through this with me. James 3, 7 through 10. James 3, uh, 1 through 12, that whole chunk is really instructive about the tongue. We're going to focus in on these four verses. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish. I didn't know you could tame fish. Anybody ever tried that? Maybe what they mean is you can catch them, you can clean them, and you can throw them on the grill. And that's how you've tamed the fish. I didn't, anyway, this is new to me. I didn't know. But you can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Boy, that's harsh. It's restless. It's evil. And it's full of deadly poison. Now, I want you to think about that for a second. James is writing this letter to Christians, and he's telling them, you have the power to tame all kinds of things, but not the tongue. Because the tongue is evil. The tongue is restless. The tongue is full of poison. So you might be wondering, okay, Matt, I'm confused. If the tongue is full of poison and the tongue is evil and the tongue is restless and no one can tame the tongue, then why are you acting like we're expected to? Why are you showing us that we should be? Track this with me. I need you to get this. The very fact that you can't is the key. You can't tame the tongue. You, I, neither one of us has the ability to tame our tongue. My snarkiness, my hurtful words, my unwarranted gossip, all of the things that I say, um, 
you know, especially in this political arena, the things that I throw out there um, to try to, to win the day and, and to make people, because that works all the time, right? I can convince people on Facebook to think my way, um, especially by calling them idiots. That's great. Um, but here's what I do. So I do these things and I throw these things out there. My propensity to do that is found in my human nature. It is a byproduct of the fact that I am a broken person. I know we talk about this a lot. It's not just being, but look, I'm broken. You're broken. It's part of who we are as human beings. We're broken. But then there's this thing. There's the cross. See, and it's at the cross that Jesus says, come to me. It's at the cross that Jesus says, lay down your sin. I'll take it from you. See, it's at the cross that Jesus says, yeah, you can't, but I'll change you. In your humanness, you don't have the power for this. In your humanness, there's no way you can experience righteousness in this way. You can't be holy enough. So Jesus says, that's why I will pay for your sin. All you have to do is come to the cross. You come to the cross and you admit, I'm broken and I'm messy and I'm a sinner and I can't and I can try as hard as I want, but it will never work. There's nothing that I can do that will ever get me to God. I need a savior. And Jesus says, I will do that for you. He's the only one that can. And he takes my sin and he bears it on the cross. And when I trust him and when I follow him, then I am made, get this, I am made righteous. I am made right because Jesus took my sin. When I ask him, when I choose him, when I follow him, he takes my sin and he makes me righteous. And now that I'm righteous, I have the ability, not because I'm cool or awesome, I have the freedom, though, to be better than I ever was. And there's the power, then, that helps me be different is the same place that I draw power from to be different. See, Get this, the power that saves you, this is the Holy Spirit, regeneration in you, working in your heart to make you brand new, to free you from the bonds of sinfulness and to grow you up in your faith. That's the power then that helps me say yes to godliness and say no to ungodliness and to stop sinning with my mouth and to change my heart because it's not a mouth issue, it's a heart issue issue. And the Holy Spirit, when I accept Jesus, when I follow Jesus, the Holy Spirit now lives in me. This is why it's really dangerous, by the way, when you start looking at Christianity as a religion alone. This is why it's really, really dangerous when you start looking at Christianity as a checklist of do's and don'ts. Because this isn't about do's and don'ts. This is about what's in your heart. This is about a heart change that happens because you are madly in love with a God who saves you. Because you understand that there is no one like Jesus and he loves you more than anything. It's a big deal. And that power then has the opportunity to save you and to change you when you let it. But it has to be in your heart. Waking up tomorrow and saying, you know what? I'm just, 
I'm going to keep thinking the same things. I'm going to think, keep putting myself in the same situations. I'm just going to try really, really hard to hold my tongue. Good luck. We'll see how long you make it. But it's not going to last very long unless your heart changes. Just is what it is. And this is so problematic because the tongue that you use to cut people down, guess what it's supposed to be used for? Read this. 2 Corinthians 5, 19 through 20 says, For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. That's offering salvation to people. He is there to provide salvation to all people. God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. And part of this is he's no longer counting people's sins against them. Why? Because he took them on himself. So if I choose to, if I say, God, Jesus, take my sins, he will. That's the message of the gospel. And here's what it says. He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. You and I have been given this message of reconciliation. To speak out of the abundance of the heart that I was lost, but now I'm found. I was dead, but now I'm alive. I was damned, and now I'm saved. All of these things that are true in my heart, and out of that truth, I should speak. And what am I supposed to speak? I'm speaking for God. He makes his appeal through me when we say, come back to God. He is here for you. Jesus saves. This is very good. This is what you need. Everything you've ever needed. Your life is broke. You make me angry. You make me angry because you need something new in your heart. Or you make me angry because my heart is wrong. And my job is not to speak venom. My job is to speak grace. Look at this. He makes his appeal through us. We speak for Christ. We say, come back to God because he is the power to save. And he, in the person of Jesus, was on the cross reconciling the sins of the world for those that will follow. This is a big deal. Your tongue is a big deal. It's more than just a bad habit. So, what do we do with it? Well, here's what Paul says in Ephesians 4. Don't use foul or abusive language. Check. Let everything you say be good and helpful. Seems straightforward. So that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Let me ask you, if this is the standard then, we're trying to tame the tongue. We want the tongue under control, and this is what it should look like. It should look like it's good, positive, and encouraging. If I asked you to give yourself a letter grade for the things that you say, for the things that you share, for the things you post on Facebook, what kind of a grade would you give yourself? What is that telling people about your heart? And in what way is that calling them back? How are we in that way speaking for God and saying, come back to God? He's got something good for you. Okay, so let's look at this quickly. So first thing I want you to do as we start to look at this, uh, and this is where accountability helps. By the way, I gave you um, on your list again, another list of accountability questions. Remember, accountability is simply the process by which I am submitting myself. This is a heart issue. I'm not just saying I'll try harder, but I'm actually taking the step of putting myself under the authority of someone. 
And they're putting themselves under my authority. We're having what we would call an accountability relationship. Remember, we've said these should be same gender. Okay? Men, accountability partners with other men. Women, accountability partners with other women. This is something we do because what we're trying, what we're trying to accomplish is we're trying to pursue holiness. Okay? Now, accountability relationships that are good can last forever. Okay, I was in the same accountability relationships um, in, in the Quad Cities for, for, I think, what, six years before moving here. Good relationships that helped me grow. They were hard at times because I had people look at me and say things I didn't want to hear, but I needed to hear. And hard at times because I had to look at people that I loved dearly, and I had to, <laughs> I had to tell them things that I didn't want to have to tell them, sometimes about myself, sometimes about them. There were times I had to hold up a mirror times they had to do the same thing for me. We've talked about some of those things in the past. Um, I'll be happy to share if, if you want more information about my experiences with accountability groups, but here's the deal. This is what this is about. And so I gave you last week a list of questions about self-control, things that you can prompts you can be asking one another as you enter into these accountability relationships. Okay, I hope that by the end of the year, one of the goals, I'll just fill you in now, one of the goals that the elders are shooting for and that, and that the adult discipleship team is shooting for is to have um, as many people in the church as we possibly can involved in accountability relationships. Small groups are great. But when you get 12 people sitting around and that's 12 people change occasionally, you know, you get to the end of the semester and you start a new semester with new groups, those are great, okay? And, and, and we want to continue to do those because those really help with connections and relationships and growth. But the next phase of that, okay, is accountability relationships that don't change. Accountability relationships that, that continue for people that know us, people that know our struggles, people know the questions to ask, they know what rocks to overturn, and they know how to hold me accountable to grow and be better, to be who I really am, which is someone that's speaking for God when I say, come back, because Jesus has paid everything for you. But right now, we're just experimenting. Okay, I want them to go on forever. But right now, what I'm asking you to do is try it out. Commit for the remainder of this series, six weeks. Get involved in these relationships. I've given you the question. If you can't find a partner, talk to me and I will get you connected. But this is what we're looking for, this accountability relationship to start this off with. Small group leaders, champion this in your groups. Remind the people in your groups that this is part of what we're trying to accomplish here. Use your groups to set them up if that helps, but this is part of what we're trying to do, okay? But in that vein, here are some accountability questions. Here are some things you can ask yourself, okay? Before I sin with the tongue, give me some heart checking going on. Not just I'm going to try hard to control my mouth, but I'm really going to look at this. Does this exact information, meaning is this true? Because if it's not true right away, I know I'm not sharing this because my heart doesn't share untruths. Does this exact information need to be shared, right? So maybe it is true, but do you need to know about it? Does it need to be shared? Is it helpful to share it? What's my heart tell me about that? Does it need to be shared by me? Maybe it is true, and maybe it does need to be shared, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm the one that has the power or the right to be sharing it. And even if I do, I go to the next question. Does it need to be shared to these people? Because maybe it's true, right? And maybe it does need to be shared, and maybe I'm the one to share it, but do I really need to share it to this group? Is this really the right group for me to be sharing it with? And is this really the right time? 
And are my motives pure? What are my motives in sharing? Is it to get even? Is it to embarrass? Is it to stir the pot? And in this way, when I can say yes to all of those and only when I can say yes to all of those, I should probably share. I should probably speak. I should probably act. If I can't say yes to all of those things, if it's not exact information or it's misleading or misguided, and you know in this day and age, I can put a spin on anything and make it true. But, but it doesn't make it true. Sometimes we mislead. Okay, but this is the heart issue. It's not about, okay, I'm going to stop biting my nails. I'm going to hold on to my tongue. It's about, I need to stop and look at my heart. And I need to see what's there. Okay, some other things just to know about gossip. Don't. I mean, we teach our kids that. Why is it something that we teach our kids in elementary school? And then we get, and we teach them that because it's unkind, right? It's not nice. We're smarter than that. We know it's a sin issue. It's a holiness issue, but we do the same thing anyway. More sins of the tongue are planting seeds of discontent or dislike. You know, I'm talking to a buddy of mine, and you walk up and you say hi. I introduce the two of you because you've never met before, and then that person walks away and I say, yeah, you know what? They're really nice, but... And I throw some things out there. I'm planting seeds of dislike. Why? What's, what is the heart reason for that? It's not pure. It's not because I'm, I'm speaking for God. Or because there's, a, there's something that happens that I don't like and I need everybody else to know. It's true. It's factual. And I need everybody else to know that I didn't like it. So I, I make sure everybody's clear that there was a thing that happened that I didn't like. Seeds of discontent, not seeds of unity. Unwanted or unreciprocated sarcasm. I am a sarcastic guy. There was a point in our dating relationship when Carrie says to me, why don't you like me? It's hard to hear. Like, I do like you very much. In fact, I love you. She's like, I believe you love me. I'm just not sure you like me. Unreciprocated sarcasm. Unwanted sarcasm. Um, it's, now, we grew her up. She's sarcastic now, so it's all good. <laughs> Sins of the tongue. Things that hurt and cut, that crush. Venting over processing. Any of you ever tell somebody, look, I just need to vent? Hear me. It's a sin. You want to process something? You want to process? Then sit down with your accountability partner. Sit down with your spouse. Sit down with somebody that will tell you the truth and process to your heart's content. You want to vent? You know what that means? That means I want to focus on somebody else. I want to talk about somebody else. I want to talk about how I'm angry at somebody else or how somebody else had bad motives or somebody else was wrong or somebody else... No, listen. That's venting. It's destructive. Processing is constructive. It's about me. Hey, here's what happened. 
I'm angry about it. Help me see it. Help me think through it. Help me figure out how to respond. That's constructive. It's helpful. And lying. Lying is dangerous. You know that, right? It's the sin of the tongue. Now, I always have to say this when we talk about lying, okay? Um, I'm not talking about being polite, right? Be polite, right? When I ask Carrie, do these pants make my butt look big? The answer is yes. Everything makes my butt look big, okay? She could be polite, right? When, when grandma makes you stew and you sit down at the table to eat it and she says, is it good? Choke down your bite. Yes, grandma, thank you. Okay? You know what I'm talking about when I'm talking about lying. I'm talking about maliciously misleading. I'm talking about things that make you more and make others less. Listen, these are sins of the tongue that have to be dealt with. That's the praise team to come back up. And, and here's, here's the thing I'm going to give you. Some of you want to know, well, how do I do this? What's my next step? Submit to accountability. Okay? But what I do want to challenge you in is this. You ever had a kid come to you and say, I'm bored? When a kid comes to you and says, I'm bored, which one do you typically do? Do you say to them, go find something to do, or do you typically say to them, well, I would go sit in your room and I would work on feeling not bored and then do something? Well, of course, what you tell them is, you know what? You can't be bored. You got a house full of stuff. You got a room full of stuff. Go find some. And then we add this one. And if you can't find something to keep yourself occupied, I'll find something for you. <laughs> Sometimes, as Christians, we sit back and we wait for the feeling. We say, I'll change that when I feel like it. And somehow it seems right because we use these really fancy Christian things. Like we say, well, we don't want to fake it. Faking it is wrong. Sure it is. But sometimes we have to decide. So what covenant is? That's what it is in my marriage. There were times I've had to decide in my marriage. When we got married, we decided that we were committed to behaviorally loving one another. There were days in our marriage where I woke up, and I'll be honest with you, I didn't feel it. It's been a long time. So what would it have been like if I'd said, well, you know what, I don't want to fake it, right? That's, that's hypocritical. So I'm just going to act like I don't love you until I feel like it again, and then, no, it doesn't work that way. Sometimes here's what we do. We commit. God, I know this is what holiness looks like. And in my heart, I desire holiness. So I am committing to acting differently. I'm committing to having you hold me accountable. And I'm praying that you'll catch up my feeling, but that you'll help my heart. We do that with forgiveness. We do it with love. We do it with commitments we make to God. You know what? Sometimes I make a commitment my feeling isn't there. That happened when we first started to tithe. Tithe was a commitment we made, right? There were some days I did not feel like it, but we made the commitment and we asked God to catch up our feelings. And then we had people hold us accountable. 
You will not grow unless you ruthlessly cut sin out of your life. This is an opportunity for you to do that. It's plain and simple. Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for the privilege that it is to know and follow and love you. God, we just, we, we trust you even when it's hard. And in this area of, of the things that we say, the things that we post on Facebook, the motive, the heart issues behind them, God, we know this is a big deal where you've called us to pursue holiness. And so we ask you to work in our lives. We ask you to convict us of wrong. We ask you to put people in our lives that will tell us the truth and help, help hold us accountable to growth. God, we love you and we praise you and we thank you for all things. Amen.